Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church. Really glad that you're here. Whether I can see you, you're in the room, or you're online, you can see me, but I can't see you, or why ever you're here, or however you're here, we're just glad you're here. And I don't know about you, but I am excited, Ryan, that like fall weather, like the crisp, and I was kind of getting tired of the 70s. Some of you are like, curse you. You know, I, I understand. But I'm like, I kind of get excited about this, this season, and, and the crispness, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I will say I shivered a little bit more than I wanted to at the football game on Friday. But, uh, but we're here. We're here to worship God. We're here to just hear from Holy Spirit as to what we need to hear. And so uh, we are in the midst of a series. If you've been here for the last several weeks, we are in a series called The Table. And this is a very simple series. It's really got two parts to it. One, we start with the understanding that we are all invited to the table by God through a relationship with Jesus. Every person is invited by God to the table through a relationship with Jesus. It's the whole point, the whole reason why Jesus died on the cross in your place, then rose from the grave. He defeated sin and he defeated death for you so that you would have a place at the table. Now, the key is that we have to accept that invitation, right? We have to accept that invitation. You've been invited. You can't go. If, if, if you're invited to a party and, and you don't accept the invitation, you're not at the party, right? And so God invites you to the table. The question is, have you accepted that invitation? And if you have accepted, when you accept that invitation, and this is what really more of this series is about, what happens when you're at the table? What happens when you're a follower of Christ? What does God want you to do? So we've talked about things like being in community. God wants you to be in community. He doesn't want you to do this thing called life and faith alone. We talked about being in God's word, that this is our compass. This is our guide. This is how God speaks to you. We talked about being in prayer, which is very simply a fancy word for talking or communicating and listening with God. That's all prayer is. It's communication with God, both talking and listening. And then we talked a little bit about taking next steps like baptism and things like that. And so we're talking about another word today that is a big part of being a follower of Christ. Now, I'll be honest, this word carries some baggage with it, right? You know words that you hear and some people in the room, they're like, yeah, they get excited about that word and whatever the case is. And then there's other people in the room that are like, oh. Right? It, it, it's kind of like when, when Laura's like, hey, this, this year is a beach year. We're going to go to the beach for vacation. And I kind of go, because uh, I'm a mountains guy, right? And I think that she kind of has the same thing when it's like the mountains year, right? That's why we share the load, right? Because I like, I like the mountains. She likes to be. And so we go every other year, right? That's kind of what we do. And so she's kind of like, okay, we want to do this. And that's great. Well, this word... When I say this word, when I can give you this word, some of you are going to be like, ooh, I know that word. I get excited about that word. And some of you, when I say this word, you're going to be like, oh, we're talking about that word today. I don't think I even like that word. Some of you are intrigued now, aren't you? This word is misunderstood. It is misrepresented. And I'll be honest, it has some bad connotations to it. 
So you want to know what that word is? <laughs> you're going to expect that you're going to all know this word, and you may or may not. That word is evangelism. Ooh, we weren't expecting that, were we? Evangelism. Now, some of you, I say evangelism, and right away you're like, okay, I know evangelism, right? I know, what, I know that word. I know what it means. I know what it is. That's great. Some of you in here, and maybe you're excited about it. Now, some of you, maybe you have heard this word, and you're like, I know that word, and I don't like that word. That sounds like we're going to go door to door in shirts and ties with our Bible and say, if you died today, do you know where you'd go? Right? Some of you, when I said evangelism, that's what you thought. You're like, oh, no, no. Right? It has a bad connotation. And so today, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about evangelism. But here's what I want to do. I want to set the record straight what we're talking about. What is evangelism? Let me give you a simple definition. So we're all starting from the same point. Because we're coming in, depending on your denomination, but depending on whether you grew up in church or you grew up absolutely, God was not a part of your life growing up. Let's get all on the same page so we all know what evangelism is. All right? Evangelism is very simply this. It is intentionally, not accidentally, it is intentionally, purposefully sharing the love of Jesus with everybody else around you. That's what evangelism is. It doesn't have to be any more or less complicated than that. Evangelism is intentionally, there's a purpose. You want to do it. You're trying to do it. You're sharing the love of Christ Pointing people to Jesus intentionally. That's what evangelism is. Now, here's what I know the first question should be in a message like this. The first question should be, should we do it as followers of Christ? I'm not going to answer that question because the answer to that question is yes. Resounding, absolutely, not a question, yes. And I know you, for some of you, you're not there yet. And so I'm moving on, and you're like, no, I want to answer that question, <laughs> right? But I'm not going to answer that question because the resounding answer is yes, and when we go through this message today, you'll kind of see that Scripture is very clear that we have to be a light that shines the love of Jesus to everyone around us. We have to do that. It's non-negotiable. When you come to the table, God says, now this is a part of that. You're going to bring other people to the table as well. It's just a part of this life as a follower of Jesus. And so what I want to spend my time talking about is how. How do we do this? Can, can I be honest with you? We need several weeks for this one. <laughs> like there's, I got into this, I'm like, oh man, you know, this is going to, I need a lot more time, but I'm going to give you three things today. They're not exhaustive. It's not the exhaustive list, as I always say, but it's three things that we need to be about in order to share the love of Jesus to the people around us. All right? So three things of how we can evangelize, how we can share, how we can point people to Jesus. All right? First one, how do we point people to Jesus? Through words. Words. We all know that we communicate through words, right? I'm communicating to you guys through words right now, right? I'm not using sign language. I'm not using other means. I'm not showing you a video right now. I am using words to communicate. You're listening to words. Words is one of the most powerful things we have, isn't it? Words have the power to heal. Words have the power to hurt. 
Words have the power to change people. We know this, don't we? Deep down, we know this. In fact, I love what George Herbert, he was a priest and a poet once said. He said, good words are worth much and cost little. We need to remember that. That's good, right? Good words are worth much but cost little. Sometimes the most powerful way that we can share the love of Jesus with those around us is to tell them about Jesus. Now, again, understand, like, this is exemplified in Scripture all the time. So after Jesus ascends to heaven, right, he ascends to heaven and says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Then he leaves the disciples in charge to kind of, you know, share the love of Jesus with everybody around him. And, and all these people, this is huge crowd of people is gathered from all over the world. And what happens, they're all kind of standing there. And, and I don't know, but I kind of imagine a group of people, they're all there like, looking around, you know, they all speak different languages and all this stuff, and they're kind of like, so who's in charge here? Because Jesus left, right? Jesus physically has gone to heaven. The spirit is is about to fall in this place, right? And, And all this stuff is happening, but then Peter realizes, oh, I need to get up and talk, right? And Peter gives an impromptu sermon to like thousands of people, in that moment, and what Scripture tells us is 3,000 people accept Jesus that day. Whoa, that's awesome. They also got baptized. Talk about taking a while to get baptism going, right? We baptized 13 people, uh, what was it, three weeks ago? It took a little while. Imagine how long it would take to do 3,000. It's going to take a bit, right? But that was a good day. Paul, the Apostle Paul, what did he do? He went into every town, and what did he start doing immediately? He started telling people about Jesus. He used his words. Now, here's the deal. I kind of already hinted at this. Some of you, when I say you need to tell people about Jesus, you start freaking out, right? I know you do because I do too sometimes. Now, if I know the person, we're good. But sometimes God prompts me to talk about Jesus with somebody that I don't know well or I don't know very well at all. Can I just tell you, I'm intimidated by that too. And why are we intimidated by it? I know why you're intimidated, because you don't know how they're going to react. Right? That's what you're worried about. Right? You're not, you're, you're not worried about probably most of the things. You're worried about how are they going to react. Now, I want us to understand, evangelism does not mean, I'm not telling you that because we need to evangelize, because we need to point people to Jesus, that we need to go around, dress up, carry our Bibles, and start knocking on doors. Right? Hey, I'm just here. Uh, I, I'm a Christian. And uh, I just want to know, do you know Jesus? Let me, let me ask you this. Okay? I'm not saying it's wrong. But let me ask you this. How many of you get really, really excited when somebody that you don't know shows up on your porch in, uh, in an outfit or in nice clothes? None of you? I didn't think so. Me neither. I'm the only one with my hand up. I know. I get it. Right? I, I, don't, I don't either. Okay, we got one. We got one taker. One person gets excited about that. All right. So we, we don't. Why? Because they're there to do what? They're there to sell you something, aren't you? And most likely, not all the time, but most likely, you don't want what they're selling. At least not right then. 
right? Because you're making dinner or whatever it is, right? And, and so, so this is one of those things where I'm not saying we have to knock on doors. We don't have to hand out tracts. I'm not saying that that's necessarily bad at times. That has worked and that's great. But I think that much more about this is we need to use our words in everyday life to share Jesus with people around us. In fact, let me give you two practical ways to do this. Number one, ask questions. Ask questions. We don't use questions to our advantage. One of the greatest, most powerful weapon that you have, most, most powerful strategy that you have, is to ask questions. Questions communicate something. For example, if you see somebody at work that is clearly having a tough day, they're struggling, maybe they put their head down, maybe you've heard them sniffling in the cubicle on the other side, right? We know that. And you can do one of two things. I know this because I'm sure this happens because I talk to these people, right? I talk to you guys when you've had a rough day, sometimes I, you call me and that's okay. But what sometimes this happens is this happens in the midst of a workplace environment. And so you hear that person struggling or you overhear a conversation that they have with the spouse and there was some pretty intense words exchange and you know it was probably rough. You can do one of two things. You can either stay in your cubicle, right? Yeah, I know, cubicle. Now we're on Zoom, right? Right, I get it. But you can stay in your room and act like it didn't happen or you can go over and say, hey, it's none of my business, but I just overheard. It seems like you're having a rough day. No problem, if nothing else. But I just want you to know I'm here. Can I do anything? Can I help with anything? There's a real good possibility they say no. Partly because we're a very prideful culture and we don't like to ask for help. Let's call it for what it is. But can I also say that there's a percentage of people that will lean in and say, yeah, this is a really hard day and this is why. Ask a question. Not because, and, and by the way, I'm not saying like you ask the question and be like, how can I help? Oh man, it's been a really hard day. Well, I know this guy named Jesus. Let me, let me lead you to him, right? Might be a little fast, right? But what I am saying is you're not gonna help point them to Jesus unless they trust that you actually care about them. And you can start by asking questions. And maybe they'll ask questions back. Another thing that you can do is by telling a story. Right? Uh, one of the greatest avenues, one of the greatest things you have to point people to Jesus is to tell people your story. How did you come to Jesus? What's your faith story? What's your journey of faith? They can't argue with your story. Can I be honest? Some people will try. But they can't argue with your story. It's your story. It's your story, how you dealt with God. It's how you react, uh, react and respond to God. Tell them your story. How did you come to Jesus? How did you accept Jesus? What does church mean to you? Why does, how does your faith give you strength and give you peace and give you joy? Share that with them. What we tend to do is we tend to get scared because we feel like we're going to offend somebody. Can I just tell you? You're never going to have control over how somebody else is going to react. So don't live according to that. Don't live according to how you think somebody might or might not react. Do what you know is right regardless. Our culture has kind of put walls up 
We can't give the truth because we're afraid that we're going to offend somebody. We know we're living in that kind of a culture right now. And let me just encourage you, tell your story. Ask questions. Be genuine about the questions. Don't ask them, like, how can I help you because I feel like I should and my pastor told me to this week. And definitely don't say that to him, right? <laughs> well, my pastor was preaching and I heard you crying and so I came over here because I feel like I have to. Man, I feel the warm fuzzies now, right? No, ask the question because you actually care. And if you don't care, make sure you get to a place where you do care and then ask the question. And then however they respond, lean in. And then have that opportunity to point them to Jesus. Uh, so I remember when we, Laura and I and our family, when we first moved here, uh, of course, Northridge Church didn't exist. That's why we moved here. And so uh, I had to get a job to pay the bills for a while, right? And so I got this job packaging this powder product thing. Uh, and we'd have to take that, package it in the bags in this right exact weight and amount. And then we'd seal the bags and we had to stamp the bags. And it was kind of this, you know, this assembly line process thing. And so that was my job for, uh, I don't know, two, three years, something like that. Uh, a couple of years well, when we first moved here before Northridge ever got going. And then when we started kind of doing something with Northridge, I still kind of worked there, but part-time. And so what I did is I worked with this other guy. It was kind of two of us doing this assembly line thing. And there were two of us working together and we would work hours and hours and hours together, like right here. I would either package and then, you know, and then he would seal or he would package and I would seal. And so we're like right here right? And so we had hours and hours in the day where we would just talk, right? And it didn't take very long, but after a few days, I discovered that he was an atheist, is what he explained to me. And so we got to start talking about God and about faith and all kind of stuff. And I would say that most of our conversations started with questions, he would ask me a question because he knew I was a pastor and I was getting ready to start this church and all that kind of stuff. And so I was, I was very clear about that, open about that. And uh, he was very open about the fact that he didn't believe in God or at the most maybe believed that God was not relevant to our life. And so we talked about those things, but those questions, he would ask me, like he asked me about death one time. I remember this. And he asked, he said, well, what do you really believe when you die? And, and that sparked a conversation. I told him what I believed and, and what the Bible says. And, and then I asked him and I said, can I ask you a question? This was getting intense, right? This was after many weeks of conversations. And I said, are you scared about dying? Because I would be if I, didn't, if I believed how you believe. And he said, yeah, I am. I'm scared, so scared of it. I worry about it all the time. And so I shared with him, you know, this kind of back and forth. Now, did I lead this particular gentleman to Jesus in the midst of the workplace environment? No, I didn't. That, that opportunity was not there. He was not open fully to that. But he certainly was fully open to having a conversation with me. And I believe that the seeds that were planted will, will germinate into something. I believe that. I truly do. We need to use our words to promote Jesus. So the question I have for you, are you using your words to promote Jesus? If you aren't, will you begin? All right, the second way that we need to point people to Jesus is through awareness. Now, 
Uh, this is maybe kind of a weird one. This is going to be kind of hard to say. In fact, what I'm about to say might freak you out a little bit uh, if you've never heard this. But let me just tell you that this is going to be weird, but it's also absolutely true. And that is that God will create, will set you up and provide for you opportunities where he wants you to share your faith or take some action or dig in with somebody to point them to Jesus. He is going to create opportunities in everyday life for you, for people to be in front of you. There are people that are in front of you every day or throughout your week that God wants them to be there so that you can point them to Jesus. And he's creating those opportunities for you. Now, some of you are like, oh, man, that freaks me out. I didn't want to know that. It's easier if I just think they're just people in my life, right? Let me tell you that God will create opportunities for you. In fact, let me give you an example from Scripture. So I want to go to the uh, book of Acts, chapter 8. If you like to follow along, this is kind of a little bit longer little story, uh, several verses long, but we're going to be in Acts, chapter 8, and I want to start with verse 28. And in this particular spot, there's this guy named Philip, all right? Philip is a follower of Jesus. And Philip is walking along this road from Jerusalem to this region called Gaza, okay? And he's on this road walking along. And at the same time, at the same spot in the road, there's a chariot going the same direction. And this chariot is carrying an Ethiopian eunuch who serves the queen of Ethiopia, Okay, that's what the Bible tells us. It tells us all these things. So there's this Ethiopian eunuch that's riding in this carriage on his way back to Ethiopia. He's been in Jerusalem, and he's going back to serve, you know, the queen and, and all kind of stuff in Ethiopia. And so Philip and this eunuch are kind of on the same road together. And now that's where I want to pick up the story to see what happens. All right, Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 28. Seated in his carriage, this is the Ethiopian gentleman, seating in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah, so the Old Testament of the Bible. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, notice he asked a question, Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I? unless someone instructs me. And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. By the way, side note, really cool. I didn't know that we were going to sing about the Lamb of God this morning. I can see it. I see what we have like planned in Planning Center. I didn't look at it this week. I'll be honest, I usually do. I hadn't looked at it. And it blew me away when we started singing that because I knew I was going to be reading that passage. That passage in Isaiah, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. It's talking about Jesus. It was prophetic about what Jesus was going to do. So here's the question I have for you. Why did Philip 
go over and walk next to the carriage. Do you remember why? Why did he do that? Do you know why he did it? Because God told him to. Did you catch that? Go back to verse 29. This is what it says directly. It says, the Holy Spirit, that's God, just so that we're clear, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Now, here's here's what we kind of read. Sometimes we read these kinds of stories in Scripture, and we think that God's voice came to Philip while he was walking along the road, right? Philip, thou shalt move thyself over thy carriage and speak to the man. Right? I don't know why God always speaks in the King James Version. He doesn't. <laughs> right? But this is not, I don't think, I, I, we don't know for sure, but I'm not sure that Philip heard God's voice audibly. He may have, but I doubt it. Okay? I doubt it. I think that Philip was walking along, he saw the carriage, and God prompted him and let him know somehow in his heart, in his soul, I need to go walk over next to that carriage. And so Philip goes over and walks next to that carriage. And then when he does, guess what he figures out? He discovers that this Ethiopian eunuch is reading the book of Isaiah out loud. He's like, whoa, he's reading the book of the law. He's reading scripture. This is awesome. Now I know what I'm supposed to do. I know why I'm supposed to walk over here. And what does he do? Philip takes over from there. God set up the opportunity, but then Philip takes over. He comes in and he asks the question, and then the Ethiopian, he says, hey, jump into the carriage with me. Tell me all about this. I'm ready. I want to hear. I want to know what's going on. And so Philip gets in the carriage. He he starts this conversation. So this is what's cool. The question led to a conversation. The conversation led to a commitment. The commitment, and I didn't read this part, the next several verses, right after where I stopped, they come to some water next to the side of the road, and the Ethiopian man, he says, Philip, what, is there any reason why I can't get baptized? And he's like, no, let's do this. And they go down in the water, and he baptizes him right there. Here's the point. God wants to and does and will give you opportunities in everyday life to point people to Jesus and to his love. The question is, what will you do with it? What are you going to do with it? Now, is that scary? For sure. It is scary, but we have to be aware of those, those promptings. In fact, let me tell you uh, this. I was just talking with a public school teacher um, I don't know, probably a couple of weeks ago maybe. Uh, it was a few days ago. And, um, and she was telling me how she had a student come up to her in the public school setting and asked if she would pray with her. I don't think that the student even knew that this woman was a follower of Christ. And she went up there and she said, would you just pray for her? She was dealing with a specific issue and, and she asked this teacher to pray with her and she did. And, by the way, she kind of freaked out a little bit about it. She's like, you know, I, I know we're not supposed to do this. And so she told the administration about it. <laughs> She's like, just so you know, if you hear something, this is what happened. Right? The student asked me to do this, and so I prayed with her. There are opportunities. There are prompts every day 
In fact, let me tell you about another one. So uh, just, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, Laura and I decided to take a walk in the middle of the day around, uh, you know, over our lunch hour. Um, Let me just tell you that this pretty much doesn't happen. She asks every now and then, and I usually say no. Uh, And, you know, if it's in the evening, I'll I'll do it a lot. Uh, If it's in the morning, sometimes I'll do that. Uh, But during, like, the lunch hour, I usually, like, come upstairs or, you know, I'm meeting with somebody for lunch a lot of times, uh, or I come upstairs and I grab something I'm like, you know, and I'm like, okay, back to work. So I'm upstairs for maybe 10 minutes or something like that. And so she wanted to take a walk. And I was like, you know what? I think I really could use a walk because I was feeling tired that day. And so we walked, which was out of the norm for us. And so we started walking around the neighborhood. And uh, Laura and I were walking along. And then we saw somebody that we know uh, mowing his grass, mowing his lawn. And we waved and smiled at him because we knew him, you know, and he waved back. And then the Holy Spirit prompted me. And he said, there's something wrong in his life. You should go over there. Not something wrong as in like sin, but something bad has happened in his life. You need to go talk to him. Now, this is the moment as your pastor that I would like to say that I walked over there, prayed with him, and wow, there was this, you know, God came down and light shone and the clouds broke apart and, you know, whatever. Can I tell you what I did? I ignored it. I ignored it. I ignored the prompt. It was fairly clear. It was not like beat over my head with a hammer, but it was fairly clear. And I, I just, I decided to just ignore it. And you know what happened? The next day, kid you not this is what happened the next day I got a call from that same person and he shared with me what had happened two days before it was pretty awful we talked we cried over the phone and I prayed for him but what I realized was that I missed an opportunity to bless and to pour into a person that desperately needed it I missed it. In fact, I told him, I outed myself to this, this person. I said, hey, I just want you to know, when, I, when we waved at you yesterday, I was prompted by God to come over and talk to you, and I didn't. So I'm sorry about that. God wants you to share his love and his peace and his direction with those around you. If you don't listen to those prompts, you're stealing blessing for you, but even more evil, you're stealing blessing for them. And can I just say, just because I'm your pastor doesn't mean I'm immune to ignoring God's prompts. I messed up that day. I just want to always be honest with you. That's the truth. I try not to miss those, I try to lean into those, but every now and then, for whatever reason, I pass them off. I don't listen. Listen to those promptings of God. Are you leaning into the opportunities, the people that God has put in your life? I hope that you do. All right, we got them to keep going. Last one, the third one. The third way we can point people to Jesus is very simply through our example. 
through living our life, our faith out loud, overtly, not hiding Jesus, right? We have to live out loud. We have to follow Jesus, but we need to show people that our words and our actions line up, right? We need to demonstrate that to people in how we live. I love what Philippians 1.27 says. It says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. The fact that he died on the cross, rose from the grave, the good news about Christ, living with that in mind. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. In other words, we have to live out our faith so that people can see who we're loyal to. Who's most important? What's most important to us? In fact, in Galatians 2.20, it says this. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What this is very simply saying is this body that we have is a shell. It is simply a, a carrying mechanism for our soul, for who we really are. And when we give our life to Christ, when we accept God's invitation to join him at the table, when we do that, what God says is Jesus is with you. You literally carry Jesus with you. Not like I carry my smartphone, right? Not like in your pocket, but you literally, Jesus is a part of who you are. He is your identity. So why is that important? Because that means that we need to allow Jesus to shine out. We need to let his light shine for everybody else to see. Let me give you one last example of this. This will be kind of my, my last story. So uh, it was the summer before I graduated college. So it was our last summer, me and my college buddies together. And so you guys knew this. I've told this a lot. But we decided we wanted to do something together all summer. And so we decided to apply to work at Yellowstone National Park for the entire summer. So we did that. That was awesome. Uh, by the way, one of the best decisions I've ever made, I will say. That was an amazing summer. It was awesome to live in the mountains. And for me, you guys know, I'm a mountains guy. So I got to literally live in the mountains that entire summer and all of our days off uh, and the evenings, we would just hike and we'd climb and we'd boulder and we just, anyway, it was amazing, right? And so we spent all summer in Yellowstone National Park. Well, while we were there, it was me and four other of my college buddies. There were five of us. And we lived in this like, workers quarter like basically dormitories is what it was there for the workers uh, at Yellowstone National Park that summer and uh, we met this guy named Greg and after a few days a few weeks we we got to you know know Greg pretty well and became pretty good friends with him and and you know we didn't like uh, shove Jesus down his throat by any means, all right? So we're not like, you know, the second day, hey, Greg, do you know Jesus? You should know Jesus. Should we, you want to pray to accept Jesus right now? Like, let's do it, right? We didn't do that. We didn't shove Jesus down his throat, but here's what we did do. We did not hide the fact 
that we were faithful followers of Jesus, that we were trying to do our best to follow Christ. And like, uh, you know, in the evening, for example, sometimes we'd be, you know, hanging out in the, in the dorm room there or whatever, the workers' dorm. And uh, we just, you know, one or two of us, not all of us, but one or two of us might be doing our devotions, reading the Bible, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night. And a lot of times Greg would come in and hang out, sit down and be like, hey guys, what are you doing? And so what we didn't do, let me tell you what we didn't do. This, and this, a lot of people think of this like with evangelism. Like, Greg, so glad you're here. Um, let's do a Bible study together. Right? This is the Bible. I'm going to hold it in front of you. Here, touch it. It's really cool. In fact, why don't you read? Right? No, we didn't do that. You know what we did? We just set the Bible off to the side, left it there. We didn't hide it. We didn't like tuck it under the pillow. I'm reading the Bible. Just left it out. We talked. We hung out for an hour, maybe two, sometimes three. Sometimes it was midnight or later. And then we'd go back and finish whatever we were doing and go to sleep. So we lived our life of faith in front of him. Now, here's what's really cool. So one morning before work, <clears throat> Greg bursts into our room. I mean, he, usually he would, you know, knock and all kinds of stuff. Nope, he just <laughs> bowled right in, came in, and he's smiling from ear to ear, just beaming. And we're like, Greg, what's going on? How you, good morning. <laughs> like, hello, you know. And he busts in, and he's smiling. He says, guess what I did last night? I gave my life to Jesus. And we're like, What? That's awesome. Greg, that's amazing. Like, that is so cool. And we're like, tell us, like, what happened? And he's like, well, I stole Trevor's Bible. Trevor's one of my college buddies. He grabbed his Bible. Ironic that he stole his Bible, right? But he grabbed his Bible. He snuck it back to his room, and he started reading it. He just started digging in. He just started reading it, and he realized that he needed to give his life to Jesus that night. And he did. Nobody else was there to lead him to it. Nobody prayed with him over it. He just gave himself to Jesus that night. And you know what happened from there? Through the rest of the summer, we talked about God all the time. And he grew mightily in his faith for the last, like, six weeks of the summer. And this is really cool. So at the end of the summer, his, Greg's family came to camp at Yellowstone National Park and to see Greg, right? Because Greg was there all by himself. And so it was his parents and his siblings, and they came, you know, to visit with him. And what we did that whole summer is we would drive out of Yellowstone to this little church in this little town called West Yellowstone. It's on the west side of the, of the Yellowstone National Park. And there was this pastor, I kid you not, he had this great big white beard. It was kind of one of those stringy beards. It wasn't like Santa Claus beard, right? It was one of those long stringy beards and it, it would hang down almost to his belt buckle. And he would preach, you know, every Sunday. And we, we went to that church every Sunday. We had to leave like 15, 20 minutes earlier because we'd run into like bear jams or buffalo jams on the way to church. I kid you not, like they'd be on the road, and so we'd sometimes be late to church, but we'd get to church every Sunday. So we went to church, all five of us, Greg, his parents, and his siblings, we all went to church together that Sunday morning. And then we went to lunch, and this is what the parents said when we were at lunch. This is so cool. They looked at us and they said, you have no idea how long we've been praying for somebody to lead Greg to Jesus. This is, the, this is the fruit of our prayers. And we didn't even lead him to Jesus. We were just living clearly in front of him. 
And so we had pooled our money together and we bought Greg uh, a brand new Bible so that he could take it with him. And last I heard, uh, Greg is actually from the Navajo tribe in the southwest United States. Really cool. He went back to his community and the reservation that was next to his community and uh, he was driving a bus for the local church and picking up anybody that he could get to jump on the bus with him and bring him to church. And then he dug in with his family and his community to defeat the alcoholism that was running rampant through, their, through his family and through that, that community. In other words, Greg was passing on the newfound faith that he found to as many people as he could. That is what God wants us to do. Our faith was not to hide. Our faith is to share with everybody. So the question I have for you this morning is this. Are you sharing Jesus? It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be confrontational. Maybe it starts by you just having your Bible at work. Oh, snap, right? Some of you are like, you don't, want that I, you don't like that I just said that because now you're like, oh, I might need to do that. And, and, and here's what I'm not asking you to do. Don't like get a stand on top of your computer. I'm reading God's word. <laughs> don't be dumb about it, <laughs> right? But maybe at lunch, you just spend some time, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, while you eat, reading scripture. And maybe your coworker comes around the corner and sees it. That's okay, that's good. Maybe you're just aware of the people in your neighborhood that seem to be more lonely or having a harder time, and you listen to that prompt to go over to them and pray for them. I wish I would have listened to that prompt two weeks ago. Are you sharing Jesus? What will you do? Maybe there's that person in your life that you know you need to invite to church, but you just haven't mustered the courage to do it. Share Jesus as much as you can. Your faith was given to you to be a blessing, but now we're called to be a blessing to everybody else. Will you share Jesus? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for going to the cross for me, for all of us. Lord, we, you have given to us forgiveness. Lord, you have given to us peace. Lord, you have given to us joy. You have given to us direction. You have given to us strength. You have given to us purpose. Lord, it would be evil for us to keep that for ourselves. So Lord, Jesus, will you help us to not live in fear of this culture and this world that says we cannot talk about Jesus. I rebuke that. 
I say against that in the name of Jesus, no. (laughs) This country will go down if we abandon Jesus. Lord, help us to live out loud, overtly, not hidden for you. We don't have to be confrontational about it. We don't have to do it in a weird way. But we do need to be faithful to share your love with those around us. So guide us, direct us, help us to know how to do that, when to do that. And if we're scared, give us courage, give us boldness to share in words or in actions in the moments that you've given to us. Help us to share your love, Jesus, the love that you've given to us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. In the Lord.